And so that's kind of where we figured out, okay, we need to keep each other in the loop, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because as the wife, that helps me figure out, okay, what's a priority here? Are cans a priority right now? No. But, you know, something happened with one of the kids. Yeah, that is a priority over your business. Yeah, 100%. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Team. We have a extra special one for you guys today. We have Alicia Mitchell on the podcast, my wife. She's been in education for 10 years now, and... Uh, She's the president of Divine Learning. She's the wife of an entrepreneur and then mom to three, our beautiful three kiddos. And we are finally having her on the podcast today. Welcome to the show, baby. Hi, glad to be here. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're going to cover a lot of cool stuff for you guys. Uh, It may not seem like at first that this applies to building great sales teams, but you know me, I always find a way to make it work. So we're going to cover a lot of cool stuff, Uh, one of them being education, the state of education today for entrepreneurs and and for people in general, Um, supporting an entrepreneur, which has got to be all kinds of fun, parenting, and then probably most importantly, your brand new venture. My new book. Oh, (laughs) and your new book. And my new book. She's got a new business venture and a new book. So uh, you're about to to publish that book, right? Yeah, it's a, it's. With the publisher right now, they have all of the illustrations, edits, revisions, and I'm going to get a mock-up in about a week, and then it'll go to print. Yeah, so in about a month, it should be out. It's amazing. So I joined Apex two years ago, and one of the things that you do as part of building your machine is you have to write a book. And you joined... About a year ago. About a year yeah. ago, and you already have a book coming out. I do. It's a little different, though. Yeah, that's, that's what we said, that my book was going to be completely different from what everyone else is putting out because I'm in education, so I wanted it to be a tool for educators. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a children's book, of course, but in the back we have educational tools for teachers mm-hmm. so they're able to use the book in the classroom, homeschool parents too. They can use it for a community lesson for here in San Antonio. Awesome. So that's coming out soon. Uh, but let's kick it off with a story. I got a little story for you. Okay. It's, it's not exactly appropriate, Ryan, so we have to censor a few things later on. Oh, wait, we're live. <laughs> okay, so I'm in Maryland, right? And uh, I'm with my client, Ryan Goldman. Shout out, Ryan. Um, and, and Tim, his uh, VP of sales. And he takes us to this, like, fancy dinner, like, six-course, you know, like, can't finish it after the fourth course kind of dinner. Okay. I talked to him that night and he's like, I hurt myself. I shouldn't yeah. have done that. Well, it's like somebody spends 200 bucks on you on dinner. You're it's like, it. you're going to eat everything, you know? But anyway, so we're sitting there and the, and the conversation's kind of dull at this point. We're not dull, but like nobody's wow. really talking because everybody's stuffed. And I'm like, Hey, so now that everybody's stuffed full, you know, if you had a last meal, what would it be? Right. And so we're going around the table and of course, mine's a ribeye with green beans and, and mashed potatoes. You know, I'm basic like that. I'm your basic caveman. 
But uh, at the end of it, I guess uh, one of his his sales manager for the Maryland market um, asked another question to kind of get keep everybody talking. And he was like, uh, you know, and he asked it to me first. And he was like, hey, Doug, what's your favorite thing to do? And without thinking, I responded right away. And I said, my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Highly inappropriate. Is that not a good answer? I feel like that's a great freaking answer. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I crushed it on that one. I really did. But yeah, after nobody else answered because they're like, we can't beat that. That was a great answer. I love it. And so, yeah, that's the story I had for you. But okay, so why did you want to become a teacher? Uh, I love working with kids. And, you know, it's funny. Every Ever since I was little, I think I maybe was seven or eight when I would make my younger siblings play school with me. And I refused to be the student. I had to be the teacher. And I just loved it. And then my mom became a teacher. And I'd go to her classroom and I'd see all of these really cool things like, you know, a whiteboard and markers and crayons. I'm like, this is so cool. You just get to do arts and crafts all day long. Best job ever. And so when I went to college, um, I went to A&M Corpus Christi because they have an elementary school on campus. It's the coolest thing. And so I was able to, while I was studying there, actually be in classrooms, observe what was happening and kind of get that, you know, real world experience with it. And I just, I fell in love with it even more. And now I can't imagine not getting to hang out with kids all day. And, <laughs> and when I don't get to hang out with kids, I go a little stir crazy at home where I'm singing and mm-hmm. making my weird voices because I have to get that energy out. <laughs> I just, I love it. I love being around kids. They're, they're magical. They really are. So her and my my son will spend all day talking in a British accent. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty entertaining. I'm not going to lie. Gets mad at us. <laughs> so, you know, just speaking to the fact that you always wanted to be an educator. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times we were like, oh, you know, you're going to stay home with the kids. And then we last for like a year or two. And then uh, I think during our first marriage, I took like two separate breaks where I stayed home for four years, Mm -hmm. and that's when the kids were, gosh. All littles. Yeah, Cameron was born. Logan wasn't even born yet. And then when Logan was born, I kind of, I got that itch to get back in the classroom, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't ready to leave the kids at home yet. And so that's when I went back to school to get my master's. Oh, yeah, I remember So I was in the classroom learning. I wasn't teaching. And so Logan, I got pregnant right when I got accepted to the program. Mm -hmm. And so you stepped up and you would come home, do dinner and baths and bed and all that. And I go to school at night. And so maybe a couple months after I graduated with my master's, I was like, okay, well, I'm not done yet. So now I'm going back into the classroom to teach. Mm-hmm. So I went back to teaching and our boys were at daycare. Maddie was in school already and I did it for about a year, but man, like my mom heart hurt mm-hmm. and it was so hard to stay there. So I ended up leaving the classroom again to stay home and then moved to San Antonio and I taught for four years here. Yeah. So let's talk about that last year, kind of what, drove you to where you are now. Um, you know, you were teaching for your mom. Mm-hmm. She's the uh, principal at Sky Harbor Elementary where our kids, uh, well, at least our boys go this year. Our daughter's already going to Divine Middle School and then the boys will transfer over next year. And so um, talk about like those days that you had yeah. that, that kind of like sparked this. So I would say that prior to COVID, it was a little bit easier to 
have that work-life balance as an educator because I had been doing it for, you know, about eight years at that point. And so I knew what to expect. I knew what was coming up and I knew it was stressful and it was a lot, but I was able to manage it. And then COVID hit and the entire world changed and education completely shifted. So we went from, you know, being with the kids in front of the kids to having to learn an entirely new way to teach. Because when we were virtual, you know, I am not a tech savvy person at all. And I was having to be in front of the computer all day long and learn those new skills while also trying to make connections with my kids and, you know, foster that love of learning in them behind a computer screen which feels impossible and it felt impossible at the time. And then so after that year where it was, you know, virtual, we all get back into the classroom, but those learning gaps from COVID were still there. Mm -hmm. And the state of Texas wanted to pretend like, you know, business as usual, nothing has changed. The kids had changed, the teachers had changed, the parents had changed, and the district, the state refused change. Mm -hmm. And so there was just a lot more pressure on top of the normal pressure of being an educator. And so last year I decided to leave because I just, I had gotten to that point where I wasn't agreeing with what I was seeing in the mm -hmm. classroom. I wasn't happy having to do certain things. You know, I had several students last year when I was in the classroom who couldn't read. Yeah. And that is a tool that you need for life. You cannot function through life without being able to read. And um, I was having to prep them for this STAR test, knowing they were going to sit in front of a computer screen, take a test for three hours, and they couldn't read. And so, of course, I wanted to be able to help those students. But in that same classroom, I had 17 other ones who needed to be ready for something. And it was just, I felt like I was being pulled in so many different directions and I wasn't able to purposefully be in that classroom, doing what I needed to do, helping the ones I needed to help. And I felt like I was at a, such a total loss because we had this big, huge test looming over us, which mm -hmm. is funny because the kids are actually taking the STAR test. Yeah, right now. School today, today, right now, yeah. Um, and... And I knew there was a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to venture out on my own, leave the classroom, start my business. And now it's so wonderful. I work with homeschool students who don't care about the test, don't right. know about the test, don't worry about the test. And they are just in there to learn. And it's wonderful because I'm able to teach these skills and work with these kiddos without having to worry about like, oh, let me teach you with using this certain language or mm -hmm. these certain verbs, because that's what you're going to see on a test. Yeah. And in reality, that that's not real world. That's not real life. I want to talk about the test more because I feel like people need to be educated on this and they assume that, oh, my kid has to pass this test to move to the next level. And they, uh, they assume that that test is an accurate representation of the, the competency of their kids. Absolutely not. Yes. And so the test itself, how did it even come about? You know, like what, I guess, what is the the program? Why is it there? And, you know, we, you and I have talked about this before, and I feel like people need to know, especially entrepreneurs, because we have the most ability to homeschool our kids. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whether it's because of our income or because um, we have a flexible schedule, whatever the case is. And then a lot of entrepreneurs are working from home now. So even more so, they can take a two-hour, you know, deal in the morning and a two hour deal in the afternoon to do school with their kids. So uh, tell me a little bit about that test. 
So the, the one that we use here in Texas is called the STAR test, and it's created by a company called Pearson out of the UK, actually. And so what happens is Pearson creates the test, but Pearson also creates curriculum that the state of Texas uses, and they also create all of the test booklets that you use throughout the year to prep for the test, the you know workbooks, all of that stuff Pearson creates. So if you think about it, if you have more kiddos who are not passing this test, what does Pearson get to do? Well, they're going to create resources to help you pass the test. The district is going to spend thousands, millions of dollars buying these resources. So the more kids they have failing, the more money Pearson gets to make. And so that, that's a big reason why I don't agree with it. Um, because if you break the test down, there was a Oh, I wish I knew her name. There was a professor out of El Paso who took the third grade star test from 2018 and she broke down the language in the reading test and she found that one of the passages in that reading test was written at a ninth grade reading level. Mm -hmm. So we're giving third graders a ninth grade reading level passage, asking them to identify the author's purpose and theme and all of that stuff. And if they don't pass it, then we're saying, oh, you know, they weren't successful in third grade. When in reality, they weren't being tested on third grade material. It's, it's crazy. And so, um, and, and then as far as, you know, kids needing to pass it to be able to move on to the grade, next grade level, that's not true. That's a lie. They don't need to. And no. prior to, I want to say this past year, fifth graders and eighth graders used to have to pass in order to be able to move up to the next grade level. And they were given, you know, two, three chances. They didn't pass throughout the school year. Uh, back then, a couple years ago, science had two uh, different sessions that they could take throughout the school year. And then if they still didn't pass, they had a summer session that they could take mm -hmm. and try and pass the test. Well, Texas did away with that. So now in the state of Texas, you don't have to fifth grade or eighth grade pass the test to move to the next grade level. That's a lie that teachers tell kiddos to try and motivate them to pass or whatever. Um, and so we even sat our kids down and told our kids, hey, guys, the numbers don't matter. They, in reality, they don't. They're mm -hmm. not for you. Therefore, the district to rank the teachers, yeah. the school to see where they rank within their mm -hmm. district, and then the state to rank the districts and say, oh, this is how they're doing. So the numbers are probably for everybody but the kids. Those numbers don't matter. They don't affect anything. And eventually when you go to college or you get a job in the real world, no one's going to ask what you scored on your fifth grade star test because nobody cares. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, that's just it. You know, obviously we've been married, so I learned all this a long time ago, but it's, it's, it's wild to me, you know, and, and it's not even wild, right? Anytime the government gets involved, in anything like this they screw it up you know which is why you know obviously i love that you're uh in private education now you know so i guess fast forward a little bit further after you know you were having those those rough days and stuff um you know obviously i had been encouraging you to you know either stay home with the kids or you know i i want i wanted you to do whatever you wanted to do right but if you weren't happy and I saw that you weren't happy, I was like, you could easily just stay home, right? Or um, start your own business. And so probably I had been saying this for like, I don't know, a year, maybe yeah. a year or something like that. And uh, 
So then we go to Apex Live. We go to a mastermind event, right? And uh, who was the first one that kind of inspired you there? Was it Lisa? It was Lisa. Yeah, yeah Lisa definitely. Marie Lisa. spoke from the stage. And then all of a sudden at the end of that event, you, you weren't ready to start your own business, but you did say like, hey, I want to move into leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I belong in leadership. This is my goal, right? And so that was the first Apex Live event that you went to. And then uh, tell them about the, the second one. Okay, well, I'm going to rewind back to the first one a little bit. Okay. Because when I decided to go into leadership, um, it kind of completely shifted what I was doing in the classroom. Mm -hmm. So I, I, since 2015, yep, I've had my master's in curriculum and instruction. And my mm -hmm. goal in my head was always, oh, down the road, I'll become a curriculum coach, mm -hmm. work on a campus, teach the teacher's best practices for teaching. That's what I want to do. But then it, again, like I, I'm a mom and the mom heart pulls at me. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to leave the classroom yet. I'm not ready because I get to be around my kids and I have the freedom of mm -hmm. you know, doing all that. And if I'm a curriculum coach, I might have to be at a different school. And I wasn't ready for that. And so can you explain the rest of this in a British accent? <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> come so on, ridiculous. come on. Um, so eventually, I decided. No, I'm not <laughs> I do have a great British accent. <laughs> um, so after the first Apex event, I see all of these amazing leaders, right? And they just lit a fire under me, and I'm like, mm -hmm. why am I not doing that? And so I go back to school, and I, I even prepped you, and I was like, yeah. it's gonna be some long nights. Because at that point, I'm like, well, I'm going to be a leader. It doesn't matter if I have lead next to my name or not. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. um, I actually was the third grade lead for my team, but I decided I was going to guide anyone who needed it. And so there were a couple of teachers who reached out, and I helped them. I would, you know, someone came to over to our house. I stayed long nights. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, this is best practices. This is what you can do. This is what I do. Let me show you how it works. And I really, I dove into that, and I loved it. But the more that I did that, the more I realized that the system is so skewed that the kids who are slightly below grade level, grade level and above, they're going to be great no matter what. But our low babies, we can pour into them all day long. But when they're sitting in a room of 15 other kids who know that they're behind, they feel behind, it's so much harder to move them up to where they need to be. And so I realized, man, it small group doesn't matter matter how it works, whatever grade level, they need more. And I wasn't able to give them that. And so as I'm leading and doing all of this, and then of course I go to that next Apex event. Mm -hmm. And again, I see all of these amazing entrepreneurs and their stories and how they started. I'm like, I can do this. And if I do do this, I can work with that small group of kids who need me, who need you know, certain skills to be able to be successful. And I would have the time and the luxury and the freedom to teach however I want to teach, do what I need to do. Like, why am I not doing this? And then at that point, it was just like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I, I feel passionate about it. I'm just going to run with it. And now I'm finally at that place where I, I'm thinking about my babies that I have right now who they are those kiddos who were the lower ones in class. They are those kiddos who needed extra attention that the teacher couldn't give them. And now they get it with me. And I love it. Yep. And those are all homeschool kids, right? All homeschool kids, yeah. Yeah. And basically what you're doing for homeschool parents, and you guys are doing this virtually as well, right? Uh, yeah, we are. 
Yeah, so you're doing this virtually and in person. Uh, you have a brick and mortar location in San Antonio that you guys are operating out of. And then, of course, virtual over Zoom mm -hmm. and uh, basically filling the gaps. You yes. know, I think the hardest part about your sales process is the parent has to admit they need it's, help. Yeah. You know, well, and if I'm being honest, by the time they they reach out to us, they already know. Yeah. You know, we have a lot of parents. I do a lot of middle school math because the parents are like, yeah, early elementary, elementary. I was able to do it with them. Now they're hitting, you know, concepts that I don't even remember. I don't mm -hmm. even understand. And I need someone. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I do. Bring them over here. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I love it because we also invite the parents into the environment with us. Mm -hmm. And so our office is completely open, no walls. So parents can sit and listen. They can even sit in with us. I have a couple of moms who bring their little ones with us. And I'm like, watch what we're doing. Come kind of do it with us. And uh, eventually, if you want to take that to your little one and work with them, the same kind of practices that we're doing, absolutely. So it's not like we're trying to hide anything or you know, we, it's very open, inviting, and the parents are just, they're really digging it right now. Awesome. And so whenever you and Karina were workshopping this. My business partner. Karina. Yeah, that's yeah. that's your business partner. Um, you started telling me what Karina was building on the back end, mm -hmm. you know. And as I was listening to it and listening to it, I'm like, man, you guys are going to liberate teachers. Basically, these teachers that are overworked you know, under-resourced and uh, insanely, uh, what's the word? Graded? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I don't know how evaluated. to say it. Evaluated. Like mm -hmm. the, the strict evaluation uh, metrics, able to give them another opportunity to make the same money, if not more, but work half the hours. Absolutely, yes. And so that concept by itself, I was like, oh, shoot, this is a, you know, a seven-figure business. Then you started telling me what Karina was doing on the back end, yeah. how she was setting up the back end software, the curriculum, the the support that the teachers would have from a software standpoint. I'm like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a this is an eight figure business, you know. And so I started getting excited, and then you had to kind of check me. Yeah, I did. Yeah, you. Uh you can't help it. I think you get, he, he gets these ideas and he just runs with them and that's mm -hmm. it. Um, so I did, uh, I'm so blessed with Corina because I, I think I mentioned it before. I'm not tech savvy at all. Mm -hmm. And so she is amazing. Um, our company divine learning, any Facebook post you've seen, any ad, any Instagram, she does it all. She makes them all. She does these videos. Of, oh, I can't even remember what they're called right now. CapCut or Reels? No, it's not that. It's like stop motion videos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, they are the coolest thing. She does it all. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so she's working on our back end platform right now. And uh, so when Doug, of course, heard all of that and wanted to run with it, I was like, hey, whoa, Freeze, we are going to spend the first couple of years perfecting this thing, mm -hmm. going and growing slowly so that we're making sure that, you know, we were strong. That foundation that we're building right now is very strong. So eventually when we do get there, you know, we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't ready to skip any steps. I didn't want to skip any steps. So basically I went visionary on you and you yeah. pumped the integrator brakes, you know, but, which, which relates very much to like our personal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like, that was when I re recognized, okay, I need to let her have this and not fuck with it. You know what I'm saying? And let her do her thing. And I feel like that's gone really well. And then shortly after that, before y'all launched, um, 
you like scheduled a cons uh, discovery call with me, like yeah. legit and everything. I didn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> she tried to say she would pay me in other ways, but I get that anyways. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that doesn't count. But anyways, so we did like the legit discovery call. We put together an after action plan. We worked on what, what all did we do? We worked on your CRM, which was Google Sheets, mm -hmm, right? Exactly. Still is Google Sheets. <laughs> still is, yes. Hey, they're just starting, okay? <laughs> um, and then we put together some scripts for you guys, as well as a sales process. And uh, so, how are you currently sourcing your your leads right now? Um, so right now, everything's primarily through Facebook. We've been doing a couple of ads with them, and mm -hmm. it's funneling in through there. Um, but, man, we, we really follow the Apex model where we joined all of the groups that we could. So we're in all of the homeschool Facebook groups. We're commenting. We're giving value to the groups as well. Mm -hmm. And it's all primarily coming from there right now. Mm -hmm. um, they trickle in from other places, but for the most part, we kind of hook them through Facebook. Then they uh, fill in... Um, Onboarding form or yeah, like an a, onboarding, an the lead on, form. Uh, there you go. Yeah. A lead form. Um, and then we have a, a Google sheet that everything goes to. Yeah. And then um, we followed Doug's uh, advice where it was the five points of communication. And so we're hitting them with different things. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, the Drewby method, sending out memes if they're not responding. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And then we uh, we put together a script for you guys. Too. Yes, yeah. we did. Okay, so Corina and I sat in on that call with you, mm. not really knowing what we were doing yet. We yeah. had an idea of what we needed to do, mm -hmm. and then uh, so we sat in with you and we talked about it. And you were just asking us questions, right? Yeah. I remember he's just asking us questions, and I'm like, I want like what what's he going to do with this? Yeah. And after that call, you sent us the script, and our both of us our jaws dropped. Like, oh. This is exactly what we needed mm -hmm. because I'm not a salesperson. She's not a salesperson. And so we were calling these potential clients and not really knowing how to get from point A to point B. You know, mm -hmm. we were getting lost along the way. And we have so many, so much information to give them, so many different ways that we wanted to guide them and help them, but it just wasn't coming out right. It wasn't. Yeah. I know it wasn't. And so now it's so funny. We have our sales script. And every time we have a new lead that we need to make contact with, we'll copy it, mm -hmm. put their name, put their information, and literally sit there on the computer following our script all the <laughs> way down. Yes. I love it. Because I'm not a salesperson, and it's so hard for me to close people. Mm -hmm. I know it is. It's so at the very bottom, of course, it's, you know, the the reasons why they wouldn't and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, objections. Yeah, their objections. Are <laughs> reasons why they wouldn't. They're I know I'm, I'm not a salesperson at all. Um, they're the objections at the bottom. And so we already like pre-wrote what we would say for each objection. And mm -hmm. so when I'm in those calls, I don't get flustered or nervous because I have my outline to go by in there. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to do that too, just because you got to see me work a little bit, you know, and I'm sure, and I'm, I'm sure anybody that hasn't worked with me is like, what does Doug actually do? You know what I'm saying? Like, and then that, that goes for like a lot of coaches and consultants. Everybody's like, but what do you actually do? You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, give me a problem and I'll show you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and that, that is on my Facebook, it's a problem solver now yeah. instead of CEO. Cause it seemed kind of silly. So like, when we were setting up the SOPs and all of that, 
I was talking to you and you told me this is how you should do it. This is what it should look like and all of that. So I was super stoked. I sit there and I get everything done. It took me forever, of course, because I'm mm -hmm. not tech savvy. And then I show it all to you and you're like, oh, that's a great start. And in my head, I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I rocked I did it. Everything. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shows me some and I'm like, oh, that's what it should look like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because yeah, when you when you start an SOP, you do it with all the knowledge that you have in mind, but you almost have to do it like you're a baby and don't even know how to turn on the computer. That's how intense it has to be. That's why I really like uh, when our VAs do our SOPs because they do it from that aspect. You know, uh -huh. they're like they understand the idea that hey, they don't know our culture, they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs of the business. They need to put every step in there possible. So if anybody gets hung up along the way, those steps are in there. Yeah. So we took that and we even did an admin SOP for ourselves too, mm -hmm. because what was happening was we were, as soon as we took off, we were getting all these new clients. So I'm doing the tutoring sessions. I'm planning for the tutoring sessions. And then the business part, my administrative part for divine learning was kind of getting put on the back burner. So we made an admin SOP for ourselves. And so now every day I'll click that thing open and be like, all right, what am I supposed to do today? Oh, that's right. I need to pay these bills or I need yeah. to do these certain things. Yeah. I think that makes a good point. It's like, you know, if you're the solopreneur in your business right now, you're the top salesperson, you're the admin, you're the back office, all that good stuff. It's still important to create those SOPs, if not just to keep yourself on track, you know? And then when you do hire somebody, let's just say you have a, you double your business from month to month. It's like, why not have that ready to go? So you can hire somebody and just hand it to them. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, uh, because right now it's just Corina and I are pretty much running everything. Mm -hmm. So we're, we have a trip that we were planning to take and I need to make sure that while I'm gone, everything's still getting done. And it's right. going to be so amazing because everything's already outlined in there. Everything's hyperlinked in there and we're good to mm -hmm. go. Yeah. hundred percent. So, I guess I want to backtrack a little bit and kind of get your experience from this. Cause I think whenever, uh, you know, some of our friends or, uh, some of these couples that we know that are newer entrepreneurs, uh, you know, we, we get together for dinner or whatever the case is and you and their wife start talking, like, it's like, you're kind of pouring into them in terms of what it's like to be the wife of an entrepreneur, oh, yeah. you know? So can you kind of walk us through what that was like in the early days and then, how it is now that you're an entrepreneur too? <laughs> um, an emotional roller coaster. That's that's how I would describe it. Definitely, it's, it's nothing but like highs and lows. And if there is just a an okay good day, then it, it's maybe one out of the month, if that. <laughs> you know, um, especially in the the first years, man. We were we were babies. We were mm -hmm. 24, 25 when he started the company. 23. 20, oh goodness, yeah. gosh, 23. Yeah, because I had Maddie when I was. Yeah. Okay, so. Um, we had our baby, he has the company, I'm still teaching at the time, and there were so many late nights for you where you had to, because you were running that whole thing. Mm -hmm. You were at the office late, and so I needed to kind of program my mind to, okay, when he walks through that door, I want him to be able to soak in as much of this, this family, this calm, quiet time as he can get, so that he can enjoy it and feel, you know, fulfilled in with, with our home 
before he has to go out and back into the world and work again. Mm -hmm. Because I want to say you were doing like 12 hour days, mm -hmm. coming home, basically eating, sleeping, hugging Maddie, going to bed and then going back and doing it again. Yeah. And, um, and I'm not going to pretend like that was easy. I mean, I know that was hard for you, but man, that was hard for me too. It was, it was like a good hard, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't enjoying it half yeah. the time. You know what I'm saying? Like I wasn't enjoying missing you guys, but at the same time, like I was building something, yeah. you know? And I just, I had to find my way to work around that to where it was like, oh, we're going to pop in the office and surprise you, or mm -hmm. you know, we're going to plan to go over there just to sit and have lunch with you for 30 minutes before we go home kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so, and with the highs and lows, like not emotionally, if I'm being honest, it was financially. Yeah. Those were those highs and lows where like you come home and be like, hey, you know, made 30,000 this month. And then not get paid at all the next month. <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh. Or there would be times where I would call him and be like, hey, I just checked the bank account. I'm at HEB. Yeah. We have no money in there. Um, I need $217. Yeah. He'd be like, hold on. Give me five minutes. And then the money would be in there. And that's just how we functioned. Yeah. And we made it work because I knew if we needed it, he was going to provide. Absolutely. No matter what. I just had to be okay if it wasn't always in there, <laughs> I couldn't see it, but I knew it was going to be there if I needed it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it was, was it was crazy, but that's, you know, and I always wanted the money in the business, especially yeah. early on. I want, always wanted it in there. So I just gave us what exactly what we needed. And then yeah. if we needed more, I would transfer it. But like, I know, you know, you other entrepreneurs that are listening to this have had that moment where your wife's called you or like, you're at the store and you're like, oh shit, I forgot to pay myself, you know? <laughs> and so it happens. It happens for sure. Yeah, but it's definitely a balancing act for sure. Mm -hmm. That balance between, you know, being supportive and making sure that, you know, you feel supported at home while also you having to tell me what's going on, you having to communicate to me the, mm -hmm. the you know, slow turns that you're in and all of that yeah. so that I know what to expect so that I'm able to prepare for it. Yeah. Because I remember one time you came home and you hadn't pulled the garbage cans that day, which sounds like something so small, but mm -hmm. I want to say we had like a three-year-old, a two-year-old and a newborn baby. Yeah. So I wake up and I'm immediately nursing, feeding kids, changing diapers, doing this, doing that. I look mm -hmm. out, the trash you know, compactor guy goes by and I'm like, <laughs> our cans aren't out there and the cans are full. So of course, like, it's you just son of a bitch. Yeah. I'm like the one thing you had to do in my head, right? Cause I'm at home. The one thing you had to do for me. And he of course is at work dealing with all kinds of stuff. Who even knows what he's dealing with? So he comes home and I'm griping to him about some trash cans. Yeah. And he sits me down. And he's like, let me tell you about my day. <laughs> yes. And he's like, this is what I dealt with. And I don't even remember what it was. And I'm sure it was yeah. something very intense. And I was like, oh, I didn't know. That's way more important than trash cans, you know, but you didn't tell me. And so that's kind of where we figured out, okay, we need to keep each other in the loop, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because as the wife, that helps me figure out, okay, what's a priority here? Yeah. Are cans a priority right now? No. But, you know, something happened with one of the kids. Yeah, that is a priority over yeah. your business. Yeah, 100%. So now that you're an entrepreneur too, has that given you a, like a, a different perspective or what's that like for you now? Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough because our businesses are so completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has given me that perspective, but I want to say that if I'm being totally honest, my problems are easily managed at the office because I'm the one doing the teaching. 
I'm the one bringing the kids in and I'm not really counting on anyone else. And I know with your business, because of how, who you're consulting and how you're consulting, their problems are your problems. And mm -hmm. you're dealing with all of these outside pieces, I guess, yeah. where all of mine are inside pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have those stressful days or, you know, those days where I have a lot weighing on me or a lot on my plate. And it's funny because the communication piece that I was talking about, I don't really have to give to you. Yeah. I have to give to the kids. Yeah. I have, there have been several days where the kids get in the car and I have to say, hey, before you say a word, before you ask me to take you to the QT to buy gum, or before you ask me to, you know, turn on a certain <laughs> radio station, let me tell you that I just need you guys to not ask for anything. And I, that's such a hard concept for kids, right? Like, don't ask me for anything. That's a hard concept for Cameron. Yeah, it is. Our middle son. <laughs> um, but I, I do, I have to let them know, like, hey, this is where I'm at right now. This is the page that I'm on. And I need you guys to just be aware of that. Yeah. It doesn't affect what you do. You know, as far as getting to play and getting to all of that stuff, just mommy just needs you to not ask for anything today. <laughs> and that's got to be okay. Yeah. No, for sure. I can imagine. Uh, when you first started this venture, you know, one of the reasons that you wanted to do it was because you wanted to control your schedule. Mm -hmm. Because with teaching, you felt like, or you had to work all day, you were getting home at 536. And then you had to turn around and, you know, you were cutting laminates and you were grading, grading papers and all that plan. other kind of stuff. So the, you kept telling yourself the whole deal was you were going to be able to have the schedule that you wanted, which was like a nine to four Monday through Friday. And then if you wanted to take Monday off, you could, if you want to take Friday off, you could, how many days have you taken off? None. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ownership changes everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I shifted a client to be able to go to the boys had this parade thing yesterday. Yeah. So I shifted a client. And then, of course, when she came in to the rescheduled time, um, I gave her daughter 30 extra minutes because I was just so grateful that they had moved their schedule. And yeah. I was like, if it's good with you, we're going to keep going. She's like, yeah, of course, you keep going. Um, but yeah, no, I. I it's so different now that it's mine, but it's, mm -hmm. it's a different kind of hard. Yeah. When I was teaching at school, it was hard, but it wasn't, it was what other people needed, what the principal needed, what my team needed, what, you know, the district needed. Now mm -hmm. it's, it's what I need. And I'm going to make sure that all those needs are fulfilled because it's all weighing on me. It's heavy on me and I need this thing to be successful. So yeah, now it's, it's totally different. So what's next for divine learning? And, oh, well, I guess we'll finish up with the book, but what's next for Divine Learning? Are you guys going to franchise and take over, take over the tutoring world. for homeschooling? Or <laughs> Definitely. Uh, right now, it's funny. I've had three different teachers reach out and ask about opportunities at Divine Learning. So we're going to start slow this summer. We have plans to bring on two new teachers this summer. And of course, they're going to get to build their own schedules, create their own lessons. They were kind of opening the door to them and they're going to get to design it however they want to design it. So I'm really excited to see how that's going to work out this summer. Um, and I then, hadn't even heard of that yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm stoked about that. Um, and then after that, eventually we're going to get that platform running. It's, it's tough because it's so many small pieces that go into it because we're trying to, in there, provide different strategies, visuals, all kinds of stuff so that a teacher can 
you know, eventually get on the platform, say, all right, I'm tutoring a 12 year old who's struggling with, you know, multiplying fractions and mm -hmm. we're going to have a resource in there for them. Mm -hmm. You know, if they, and honestly, I'd love to have five different resources in there yeah. for that one tiny scale. Um, and of course that's taking, that's going to take a while to perfect, but eventually we're going to bring on teachers who are able to use our platform as a tool to teaching. Oh, that's awesome. That's exactly what they're going to need to. And, you know, obviously they're qualified to teach, so they don't necessarily need it, but it guides them to where they want to go. You know? Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. I have a client who comes in and, you know, with uh, the majority of them, I plan everything. And with him, mom was kind of like, don't plan it. He'll tell you what he needs. So every time he walks in the door, it's a guessing game. I love it. He walked in the other days and he's like, miss, you know, explain ratios. What are ratios? And I was like, awesome. Let's sit down and let's do it. And I'm able to do that. But again, I have 10 years experience yeah. doing this. So it's easy for me. So a teacher who's only possibly been teaching for a couple of years may not be able to do that and have the knowledge kind of at our fingertips. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be able to provide that for them. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. So hundred locations in two years, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Eventually one day, just not two years. Okay. So the book, yes. what was the inspiration for the book and walk us through that kind of journey a little bit. I love it. I'm so excited about the book. Um, okay. So, uh, goodness, four years ago, I was planning a trip to Paris and hadn't told the kids yet. And this is when Doug and I were I don't think we were divorced yet. We were just separated. We were yeah. separated at that point. So I had told him about the trip because, of course, he needed to know dates and all of that. He was going to be with the kids. And um, and so he told the kids about the trip, like, oh, hey, you guys are going to hang out with me while mommy's in Paris. And Maddie heard, and she was mad. So that day we swapped, and I get the kids back. And she, like, walks through the door. She's like, you're going to Paris? I was like, oh, yeah, I am. And so she was so mad about it. She did not want me to go. And that night, we went to a little Mexican restaurant by our house, and we're sitting there, we're eating, and my favorite food, Mexican restaurants, I order the same thing all the time, chalupas. I love chalupas. So I'm sitting there eating chalupas, and Maddie looks at me, you know, with her grumpy face, and she's like, you know, there are no chalupas in Paris. Like, oh, that, never mind, I can't go then. <laughs> <laughs> and so as soon as she said it, I thought, oh my goodness, that is the cutest thing she's ever said store that in the back of my brain because i was like oh that would make such a cute book and so it took me about two years later to finally sit down and write it um and i wrote it rewrote it rewrote it again i want to say it's changed i don't know how many times mm -hmm. and it was kind of just an idea and then my business partner corina you know who is amazing at everything she does. She's just, she's so talented. She's an artist as well. And so I tell her about the book and she's like, yeah, I could do the pictures for that. I could do the illustrations for that. I'm like, are you serious? And she's like, yeah, sure. And so she took off with it. And oh my, I'm, I'm so in love with the illustrations right now. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't wait for it to come out. They're so beautiful. She was able to capture all of our kids' personalities in those illustrations. It's just, mm -hmm. it's going to be so cool to see when it comes out. But um, it kind of, it started there and it's just, it's grown, it's grown. It started with a cute story. And then of course I'm a teacher. So it evolved into like, oh, this needs to be a teaching tool. Yeah. And so in the illustrations, Guarina did certain landmarks throughout San Antonio mm -hmm. in the book. And then at the end of the book, we have a landmarks page 
that has, you know, the illustrations, pictures, and then a description of what each of the landmarks are, where they come from, a little bit about their history. And so one of the main focal points in the book is the Tower of Americas here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know this as I'm gathering information and writing it. Um, we wanted to somehow incorporate the Eiffel Tower in there because, mm -hmm. of course, we're talking about Paris. And so on the front cover, we have the Tower of Americas that you can see, the Riverwalk, and then in the Riverwalk, you see a reflection of where the Tower of Americas is. You see the Eiffel Tower. And I did not know this, that the Tower of Americas was built for the World's Fair here in San Antonio in I think the 40s, 50s, I'm getting it wrong right now, I'm so sorry. But the Eiffel Tower was also built for the World's Fair there in Paris. And I'm like, wow. what a beautiful connection. Yeah, so yeah, teachers awesome. were able to use the back of the book for lessons about the community, San Antonio, the landmarks mm -hmm. are back there. It's gonna be, it's just so cool. So walk them through the, the, I guess, the story of the book a little bit. Kind of like, as y'all go yeah. landmark to landmark. So, it's of course written from Maddie's perspective mm -hmm. um, and in the book she's talking about how she doesn't want her mom to go to Paris and so what we were trying to do was we were trying to compare two completely different cultures in a fun way and throughout, throughout the book she's walking around Market Square which is packed with people and she's talking about how you know in Paris there's so many people and the illustration is a bunch of people in Market Square yeah or at one point in the book she says you know they speak a weird language over there and in the background in the book you see Spanish phrases mm -hmm. and so we were trying to show you know she the, the culture is completely different to her when in reality our culture here in San Antonio is so beautiful and rich it's such a rich culture here would be completely different to somebody in Paris. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, uh, when I started seeing the illustrations come out and this thing come to life, I was just so incredibly proud of you. And so now it's all submitted. It's with the publisher. Yeah. So what's our ETA you think? Uh, I want to say about a month. Um, she's, they're working on the mock-up for me right now just so that I can get final approval of everything mm -hmm. before it's printed. And then after that, she said the printer should be about two weeks. So I'm giving it about a month before it's finally out. Wow. And what are you going to do once it's out? Uh, How are you going to promote it? Definitely through social media, of course. Mm -hmm. But I'm what I'm starting to do right now is I'm starting to um, – talk to different schools, different school districts about doing presentations at their schools, because I do think this is such a really cool teaching tool for teachers. I want to get it in the hands of teachers while also talking to kids and of course, talking to kids about how, you know, it doesn't matter whether you think you are or not, you, you are an author, even if you've only written, you know, uh, a story that your teacher has seen. Yeah. you're an author, you know, mm -hmm. and I want to talk to them about that, hopefully inspire them and show them that, you know, you don't need some fancy title. You don't mm -hmm. need anything. You can do it. Just yeah. run out there and do it. I think some of the people in the entrepreneurial community need to hear this, right? <laughs> because I am, I'm like, I love chat GPT. It's an amazing tool. It's an amazing resource. You can get outlines from it. You can execute on it very well. But I, I feel like, and I'm, I'm going to die on this hill probably when it comes to your personal you know, your personal writing, you know, what you're putting on Facebook or, um, yeah, your just your personal stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just don't think jet chat GPT can execute on that. Not as well as I can, you know, now I can put my grammar and my spelling through it. Thank yes, God. Yeah. Cause it's terrible. <laughs> she just, she messages me all the time. You misspelled this. This isn't the I way you say that. It. I it's constant. His post. 
and I tell him. Obviously, I'm a messy entrepreneur, but anyways, so the book. <laughs> so one of the cool things about the book is it can be used in different cities. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So we would love to do, of course, because we're in Texas and we mm -hmm. favor Texas. Yeah. We'd love to do one with illustrations and landmarks from Austin, from Dallas. Uh, my heart is in Corpus. I love Corpus. So eventually I want to do, I know it's not a big old city, but yeah. I'd love to do Corpus. Yeah. Yeah. So these would be wherever there's a heavy Hispanic culture or Mexican mm -hmm. culture, right? Yeah. And uh, basically there's no ch Chalupas in Paris and it's the Houston version, the Dallas version, yeah. the Corpus Christi version. And then the, eventually Chicago. We're going to yeah, do Chicago. Chicago for sure. There's and a then beautiful, rich Mexican culture mm -hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. And then there's a few cities in California that mm -hmm. are the same way, Southern California and stuff. So uh, I think that's a huge opportunity as well, obviously. Yeah. But, Super okay. proud of you. And then I'm going to rewind on you a little bit, if that's okay, mm -hmm. with the chat GBT thing. Yeah. Okay. I agree with you that it it's not going to have our voice in our writing as well, obviously, of course, as we would. But for people like me, because if I'm being totally honest, I stink at coming up with things to post. I just do, you know, I, I have so much to say, but then I get on there and I'm like, is this authentic? I don't know. I second guess myself. And so mm -hmm. it's so hard for me to get a post out. It really is. But more than anything, it's the ideas. They're all sort of there in my brain and I have things that I think I can talk about, mm -hmm. but it's so hard for me to just, you know, come up with something and go. And so I did a chat GPT prompt and I put, you know, very specific things in there about being a mother, an educator, an mm -hmm. entrepreneur. And I said, just come up with post ideas for me. And so it gave me a list of like 10 post ideas. And I'm like, these are all things I'd want to talk about. Yeah. I love this. So I'm writing them, but I'm definitely stealing those ideas. Well, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That jumping off point. Yeah. So I think there's a place for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, that voice, that authentic voice, that, that can only come from us for sure. Well, and in, in the rebuttal I get all the time is you have to train it to sound like you. You know what I'm saying? But I'm different in – in the mornings, yeah. at lunch, in the afternoons, or like you know? your, your dad and posts, your entrepreneur yeah, posts, I mean, your consulting posts. Yeah, I get super tactical with consulting. I get super um, emotional with the dad posts and stuff like that. You know, and so that fluidity that that gives us that that human element. You know, and and I do. I see. I see all my friends when they use ChatGPT. I can tell, guys. I can. At least I can't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe your lead sources can't, and that's all that's important to you. But I don't know. I'm just I'm gonna die on that hill probably. But, anyways, so uh, wrapping up the show, I always like to ask a couple of last questions, and they are: What does legacy mean to you, and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, legacy for me is 100% my family, my kids. These you know, values that we have, I want them to be so ingrained in our children that, you know, three, four generations from now, you know, Mitchells are still talking about integrity. Mm -hmm. And that is legacy to me, a thousand percent. And the legacy that I want to leave is I, I want it to be my children. I want my children to be good, strong, kind, God-fearing people that pass that down to their children and their children and their children. I love it. We're in alignment on that. <laughs> Let's get building.
Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. We really do appreciate it. As you know, we believe that great leaders build great teams. How do you become a great leader? You learn from the greats. Join us at the Million Dollar Mastermind put on by Ryan Stuman in Frisco, Texas, and learn everything that you need to learn to be that great leader. The link will be in the description below. As always, we ask that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts so you can stay up to date with the Building Great Sales Teams podcast. Let's get building.